This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Supporters of the president not yet playing, but if you're watching the hill coming up and you hear all of a sudden like loud drum noises, yeah. it's, it's not the crew trying to shake me or rattle me. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the band that is playing here in anticipation of Donald Trump showing up any moment. All right. So you can play it like kind of like the maestro. So it's all yours. You have the next hour. You guys have a ton to talk about. I mean, boy, what a day politically. So take I'm it sort away. Of, I'm sort of the conductor of this. I'm sort of the conductor of this show, Connell, but I don't know <laughs> if I can keep up with these folks. Either way, great show, uh, Connell. We'll, uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. But thanks for handing it over. Until then, uh, from the hill to the Midwest, we are live today in southeast Michigan. Hello from Clinton Township, a community of about 100,000 that was split nearly dead even between Donald Trump and Joe Biden in the last presidential election. Gray skies are blanketing this area right now. And if you've ever spent any time in these parts, you know that means that fall is here. Winter just around the corner. But it's the battle between red and and blue, politically at least, that brings us here today. As the former president, Donald Trump, is set to descend on this manufacturing facility later this evening. He'll be touring Drake Enterprises, which manufactures auto parts, and speaking to non-union auto workers as the UAW strike now finishes day 12. The former president's appearance tonight means, of course, he is once again skipping a GOP presidential debate this time at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. We are live from California, live from Michigan, and have brand new exclusive polling on how Americans are feeling right now about the top two candidates. The Hill on News Nation starts now. And hello, thanks for joining us once again. I'm Blake Berman. We are here, as I mentioned, in the state of Michigan, but we will be joined throughout by our team back in D.C. Chris Steyerwald, of course, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Chris, by the way, back from Iowa. We'll get to him on what he learned from that trip. Mick Mulvaney is Donald Trump's former chief of staff and News Nation political and economic contributor. And Chris Hahn, News Nation political contributor and former senior aide to Senator Chuck Schumer. Hello to you all. You kicked me out of the studio for a day, I think, but uh, you got to stick with me here for the next hour or so. We begin, of course, with former President Trump, who will try to win over union voters tonight here in Michigan. Meantime, there's some news that the ongoing auto worker strike could be expanding. The UAW president, Sean Fain, is expected to announce additional walkouts on Friday, unless, of course, the union makes substantial progress in negotiations with Detroit's big three automakers. Now let's go back for a moment to 2020, Michigan's exit polls. Among voters who had a labor union member in their household, 62% voted for President Biden, 37% voted for Donald Trump. But at the national level, that margin is slightly more narrow, 56% for Biden, 40% to Trump. Uh, over to you guys in D.C. now, Chris. How does Donald Trump potentially close that gap as he descends upon Michigan here in the upcoming hours? Well, I mean, look, even marginal 
changes in important uh, demographic groups for either party can be important. Uh, when you have a real uh, tent pole like union support for Democrats, that's important. But we got to remember the majority of union support for Democrats is coming from government worker unions uh, and service sector unions, not industrial unions. Industrial unions are something like six or seven percent of the country. And there's the band. Uh, <laughs> I better be able to deliver in this riff. Uh, but the the, rea- the reality, of course, is that Donald Trump's not going to win uh, very, very many more union votes. But what he can do is persuade union-adjacent households, uh, people who have blue-collar sympathies, want to see themselves as aligned with working voters. That's the big outreach of the Republican Party. So for Trump, it's not just uh, trying to pick off a few union votes here and there. It's about persuading more working-class voters uh, to, to leave the Democratic Party and come to the Republican side. Mick, uh, can that gap be closed? By the way, when they start playing, you can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. That means he's, his <laughs> arrival is imminent. Um, you can close the gap. I would think certainly that the, the, these labor voters are the uh, manufacturing voters are up for grabs. I'm surprised to hear for the first time as I sit here that he's speaking to a non-union auto working operation tonight. If you're trying to appeal to industrial union workers, that's actually kind of a slap in the face. I'd be curious to know what the reasoning was behind that decision making. That may be something that comes back to bite them in the next couple of days. Be curious to see what the polling data says after his uh, presentation tonight. Chris, you worried about Trump in Michigan going forward? I mean, I mean, this was a state that was razor close in 2016. He flipped it, expanded again uh, and flipped back in, in 2020. But it seems like he's certainly making a play here again. Well, certainly the message from Donald Trump to his party is the primaries are over. We're on to the general election. We're competing in a battleground state uh, and we're appealing to voters. And I think an important thing to remember here is most Republicans don't side with organized labor. Right. We have lots of data to suggest that while there are substantial union sympathies inside the Republican Party, mostly. And when I say mostly, we're talking 55, 65 percent of Republicans, depending on how you ask the question, would be prone to side with management, not labor. And especially in a case like this, where you have, you know, Bernie Sanders showing up and they want a four day work week and all of that stuff. Uh, So there is a danger here for Trump. And the danger is uh, that the primaries become something of a trap game. If you're looking ahead into the general election and he's already aggravated uh, pro-life voters in Iowa, uh, if he aggravates free market voters by seeming to be too sympathetic uh, to the progressive and union cause, uh, those little things can add up over the course of a long campaign. So not only do we have the marching band, but we also have two Chris's uh, on set. Chris Hahn, uh, that question was to you as well, which with Trump coming here from the Democratic perspective, does does that concern you at all uh, looking forward? Look, I worry about everything. I think that Democrats need to be worrying about everything, especially the polling that we've been seeing. I look at that union number that you put up earlier in the broadcast. And that number seems too tight for me, even as it appears to be a wide margin. It's not. Uh, I mean, years ago, union voters would have gone 70-30 for the Democrat over the Republican. So, yeah, I worry about it. But I do think that Gretchen Whitmer and the Michigan Democrats have done a great job in Michigan. She's highly popular. I think that will translate to the Democratic candidate come November of 2024. All right, guys, stand by three hours from now. As we've talked about, it will be former President Trump's turn to address non-union auto workers. Kelly Meyer right now is is inside this building you see behind me. And Kelly, one of the things I 
And it's loud inside there. Uh, Kelly, one of the things that, that sort of uh, caught my attention was you spoke to the Trump folks earlier today, and one thing that we're expecting is a hard push against EVs, right? That's what you're hearing? Yeah, and really to folks in here, uh, the Trump team and folks we were talking with outside, uh, President Biden is really marching to the beat of his own drum uh, and not in tune with what auto workers are saying inside here, as well as the Trump team. They're saying that his EV plan is peak beltway elitism. A senior advisor telling us earlier today, it's, quote, let them eat electric vehicles. They're referring to President Biden's EV mandate that's pushing to make two-thirds of the new vehicle market EV by 2032. President Biden talking with some of the auto workers as uh, they continue their strike against the big three automakers. The team here is arguing that there will be no jobs to negotiate or there will be no contract to negotiate because there will be no more jobs due to Biden transitioning to EV. And folks we talked to who are lined up outside this event had a similar reaction. Take a listen. Working all the workers, I feel I have empathy for them. They calling for Biden. He want to make all these electric cars. Sixty percent of them gonna lose their job. He ain't gonna need them. It's not popular. No matter what you hear, it is not popular. EVs are not popular. Not just with auto workers, with most people. President Biden, who was here meeting with workers yesterday, would argue that he is pushing to keep jobs for these union workers in these plants as they're trying to retool these factories to transition from gas to electric without losing jobs, keeping them made in America with American union workers. But as we said, those we talk to outside uh, say that that is not going to be the case, or they feel as though that's not going to be the case. And as we were talking about the support from union workers generally for Democrats, those we were talking to outside uh, say there are a lot of that support former President Trump, but they just aren't saying it out loud, which sounds a lot like what I heard when I was covering Trump back in 2016. Blake. Interesting. Kelly Meyer, uh, just inside that building there, awaiting the president's arrival coming up. Kelly, thank you. Turning now to the second GOP debate. By the way, there's that this evening, too. The seven candidates are preparing to take the stage at the Ronald Reagan Library this evening. But the continued absence of the former president will no doubt weigh heavy on nearly every aspect of that event. Joining us now from California is Johanna Mosca, former Obama official and News Nation contributor, and Denise Gitsum, Republican strategist and former aide to George W. Bush. Uh, one thing we might see tonight are stepped up attacks against Donald Trump, for example. Here's Nikki Haley, Governor Ron DeSantis in the recent days, and we'll talk about it on the other side. He's running in 2024 on a lot of the same promises he ran on in 2016 and didn't deliver on. He said he was going to drain the swamp. They didn't drain the swamp at all. He still defends hiring Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. That didn't happen. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and Barack Obama added more to our national debt than the previous 42 presidents combined. You know, I see the sunshine out there in California. It looks fantastic, but hello. Uh, you heard those, those sound bites there, Joanna, from, from Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Is that what we're going to see tonight? Finally, these candidates going after Donald Trump? They would be smart to go after the front runner of their own party because 
this is a primary after all, Blake, and I've been waiting for that moment. You know, it's interesting because I'm watching some of these pundits say, oh, you know what, he re they really need to do is run against Joe Biden. They're not running against Joe Biden yet. So they've got to make the case on this stage, why them, not Donald Trump? And I do think that you're going to see, you know, Nikki Haley has to meet her performance that she had last time. There's a lot of expectation. DeSantis, if he doesn't have a good night tonight, I don't know how he continues. Denise? Listen, I don't know why anyone would settle for second place in any campaign. If you're not first, you're last. And what I'm seeing in the polls is that people are fighting for sort of like who's going to be second. And I don't understand why anyone would be satisfied with that. If you're going to win, you have to go after the front runner. The problem is most Americans, at least most Republicans, aren't yet convinced that Trump's not the best option. And so they really have to take a stance that not only distinguishes them from Trump, but doesn't upset those voters who stuck with him because they think he's the likeliest to win in the general. You know, one of the questions I hate after these debates um, is who won the debate, right? There's no winner or loser. It's in the, in the eye of every individual voter, right? What they saw, what they heard, whether they like it or they don't. But there is no doubt when you look at the numbers that Nikki Haley improved her standing. Going into the, the first debate, she was in the low threes. She basically doubled uh, her polling to, to 6% going into this. In that first debate, Denise, it was Vivek Ramaswamy surging, and he saw a lot of the attention. Do you think that's what we see with Nikki Haley tonight? I think I said this last week on the show. I think Nikki Haley is masterful and diplomatic in so many ways. And I think the more we hear her talk, the more likely it is that people will see, especially Republican women who want some sort of compromise on the life issue, where they think that it takes into account their feelings about the issue as women. I think you're seeing a lot of support gain there. But I also think you're going to see people. This is, look, of all the people, of all the candidates that are out there, the most Reaganist to me is Tim Scott. And you guys know I'm such a huge fan of his. I think that all of his policies and the way he positions himself is going to place him sort of, I think, for the first time maybe in a position to really take a big step forward in this race. You know, Johanna, I was at that Simi Valley debate uh, back in, what was it, 2015, standing probably on that exact same mm -hmm. hill where you are right now and are close to it. And it was at that time Carly Fiorina. She was surging and they all went after Carly Fiorina. We're seeing it right now with Nikki Haley. Is that what happens tonight? It could, but I think they all realize the gap with Trump is so much bigger than the gap between the candidates, that if they don't focus their fire on Trump, it's a real missed opportunity. I think there are a lot of people also who realize that Vivek Ramaswamy has no, you know, has no experience. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to go after Vivek. And we do miss you here in California. It's beautiful out here right now. What's the temperature? What's the temperature? I see the sunshine. About 86. In the low uh, you 80s? Know, <laughs> nice <Okay>. warm day. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you there. Yeah. Have, have fun tonight. Johanna Mosca, uh, Denise Gitsum, thank you both. See you again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, turning now to our brand new exclusive News Nation and Decision Desk HQ poll. The full report will be released tomorrow morning, by the way, on Morning in America, right here on News Nation. But we do have a preview for you right now. Our poll finds more voters have unfavorable views than favorable, favorable views of every single GOP candidate. Scott Traynor is the data science director at Decision Desk HQ. He joins us now. Scott, thanks for being here. Uh, lots to dig into. There's, there's that nugget there about every single Republican candidate. But I wonder on Donald Trump, because he clearly has the stranglehold right now. 
of this Republican primary, right? Every single poll shows it, and it showed it for a while. But when you look at unfavorable ratings in this poll, among independents, 67 percent have an unfavorable view of the former president. 66. Looking toward the general, how does he win a general election race with that number on the screen right there? It, it's tough. 66% of basically the swing voters, that's that's not a good place to start with, especially in the state you're in now, Michigan. Um, President Biden won it by 150,000 votes, state right over Wisconsin. President Biden won it by 20,000, state over from that. Pennsylvania won it by uh, 50,000. Those are slim margins, and Donald Trump is going to need to win those independents and move that 66% number much closer to 50 or below 50 if he's going to ch- have a chance. The other, the other way you could do it, and he did it between 2016 and 2020, he's got to find new voters, and that's probably another reason why he's you know, out in Michigan right now talking to some of these union voters who maybe 20, 30 years ago would have been a solid Democrat vote. Maybe he can flip some of those there. Yeah, so is Michigan in play? I guess that's the question, right? Because we saw President Biden here yesterday alongside union workers. He he came, or at least he announced that he was coming after Donald Trump said, I'm going to be in Michigan on Wednesday. See you there. Is this state actually in play right now, do you think? Certainly more in play than it was in 2020. Again, the margin was 150,000 votes, roughly less than 3%. Um, You know, we've seen the polling of Donald Trump in white working class voters, which Michigan has a lot of. Um, You know, he's not going into a room where he's going to get booed tonight. These are potentially new voters. And there's still 20 to 30% of the eligible voters in Michigan who did not show up in 2020, 2016. And we know Donald Trump has the ability to get some of these people who usually sit on the sidelines actually come out and vote. So I'd say it's in play today, certainly more than it was in 2020. Then, of course, there's the other side of the aisle, right? Uh, President Biden, and here's his numbers, according to the Decision Desk HQ poll, a 43% approval rating, 57% disapprove of the current president's job performance. The number, again, not great with independence. What do you make of what we're seeing with President Biden's numbers right now? You know, it's going to sound similar to what I said about, you know, former President Trump. You don't want to be down 66 percent in independence. And if you're President Biden, you don't want to be upside down in your approval rating on your jobs, especially going into an election year when people are questioning whether or not you can make it through the campaign, especially given that, you know, 2024 is different than 2020. You're going to have to be out there every day. And, you know, the economy isn't what it, you know, there's problems with the economy, problems all over the place. He's going to have to have a vigorous campaign. He's going to have to flip that number if he's if he's going to be competitive. Scott Traner, looking forward to those uh, new numbers tomorrow on Morning in America here on News Nation. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah, of course. All right. Well, coming up as we continue here on the Hill, Republicans are debating in California tonight. But Democrats will try to cut through the noise as that happens. The choice to advocate for President Biden, Gavin Newsom. So what's the thinking behind that? We will ask the Biden campaign coming up when The Hill on News Nation returns live from the Midwest here in the state of Michigan. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
All right, well, President Biden's re-election campaign is staging an aggressive counter-response to tonight's Republican debate in California, in part by sending its personnel to the debate site to respond to attacks from GOP candidates. One of the key players in the Biden, uh, that the Biden campaign is sending is the California governor, Gavin Newsom. Joining us now to discuss is Amar Musa. He is the campaign's rapid response director and joins us live from California. Amar, thanks for being here on the Hill on News Nation once again. So, um, you know, the Republican debate this evening, uh, and obviously a lot of the attention will focus on Republicans. But how does your campaign grasp poll after poll after poll showing concerns about the president's age, concerns about the president's mental fitness, and Americans feeling that this country is headed in the wrong track? Well, thanks for having me on, Blake. I appreciate it. Listen, uh, you know, I take the polls with a grain of salt. You know, I've done a few campaigns in my time and I've ridden the polar coaster way more than I would like to like to admit. And so what we are going to see on the debate stage tonight and honestly in Michigan with the, with President Trump's speech is more of the same of Republicans' magnomics agenda that the American people have actually rejected in 2018, in 2020, and in 2022, and in almost 40 special elections this year where Democrats have consistently overperformed. So I would put the polls to the side, to the side and take a look at just what people are saying with their actual votes. And when it comes down to the choice that American people are going to have next November, it's going to be a choice between President Biden's agenda, President Biden's vision for the future of the country, and whatever Republicans are peddling on the debate stage tonight, whether it be national abortion bans, tax cuts for the wealthy, shipping jobs overseas, slashing Social Security and Medicare. That's an agenda that the American people are just not on board with. Yeah. Amar, you know the chatter around Gavin Newsom. Uh, what's the campaign's thinking about sending him in, and, and do you worry that his response gets amplified in a way that, that you don't want it to get amplified. Governor Newsom has been an incredible partner for this campaign. He's been an incredibly effective surrogate, not only highlighting the president's accomplishments, whether it's you know talking about tackling climate change or passing uh, prescription drug caps, but he's also really, really good at highlighting just how extreme Republicans are. So the Biden campaign couldn't be more thrilled that we have Governor Newsom here as a surrogate for us. And he's been he's been an incredible partner. He's helped us raise money. And we're really excited to, to get to, to be here with him. Amar, there's some brand news uh, surrounding Joe Manchin, as you know, uh, sort of uh, been a thorn in the side at times for Democrats and chatter around him. Might he launch an independent, a, a third party campaign? Here is what he was asked just moments ago. And I'll get your response on the other side. If the election were being held today, would you vote for Joe Biden for re-election? Well, I never thought about that because I have not gotten to that point yet. I think there's an awful lot to, to, to be sorted out before we so even you're not come saying down yes. to You're not saying yes, you would vote for him for re-election today? I, I'm not saying yes or no. Does that answer worry you? I don't know. I think what we're going to focus on here is what we can do at on the, on the Biden campaign and highlighting the choice that the American people have. And, and Senator Manchin has been a really effective partner with the administration, whether it's helping to deliver uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law or anything else that he's worked with the president and, and helped help, uh, drive these like huge accomplishments for the administration and for the American people. So what we're going to focus on is the case that we have to make to the American people and very confident that when that choice is presented to the American people next fall, we'll be just fine. Amar Musa with the Biden campaign. Thank you for joining us live from California. Appreciate the time as always, Amar. Thanks for having me.
All right, want to bring the yep, want to bring the panel back in, Chris, Chris, and Mick. The band is back. I'm starting to think they're here for you three, by the way. Uh, but what do you make of uh, of that Joe Manchin comment there? There's all this chatter inside the Beltway. Might he launch a third party campaign? And that was a fairly lukewarm response there uh, as it relates to Joe Biden. Well, if he can raise $100 million or so, uh, that could put him in a good position to get the uh, no-labels ballot line come next April. Uh, obviously, he's looking at that, thinking about that. Could be a problem for Democrats. Uh, we know a lot of people don't want either one of these parties. So uh, the, the sniffing around will continue apace, I imagine. <laughs> Mick? Uh, honestly, after all the, the difficulties that Manchin has given to Democrats over the course of the last two years, my guess is he probably pulls more from Trump than he does from Joe Biden. Democrats can't stand this guy. There's a reason he's not How's going to be that? running for re-election in West Virginia. I don't know about how, how that, is it that you think applesauce. I don't know about that applesauce. I, I think there's a lot of moderate Republicans who like Joe Manchin. They see him as, as sort of a centrist. And again, there's a reason I, he's not running for re-election in West Virginia. He can't get elected but as those, a but those, you know are the, but those are the voters who would you know, uh, hold we all, their nose we and vote for Biden. We all know who Joe Manchin is. Nobody... We all know who Joe Manchin is. Most Americans don't have any idea who Joe Manchin is, and they never will. He's one vote in a state that Joe Biden won't come anywhere near winning. He could vote for whoever he wants. And if he's still thinking about running for reelection in the back of his mind somewhere, uh, he can't say he's going to be voting for Biden. Not in that state. All right. Accurate. Well, that is up. good the West Virginian analysis. <laughs> and from a West Virginian there, so take that as a compliment, Chris. Uh, coming up, the all-important Iowa caucus, our very own Chris Steyerwall, hits the ground in the Hawkeye State to talk with voters. Hear which candidates they call the leader, a backstabber, and a dollar store version of Trump when The Hill on News Nation returns live from Michigan. Welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation as we continue our coverage from the state of Michigan. We want to take a, some time here uh, to our exclusive focus group as News Nation political editor Chris Steyerwalt sat down with local voters in Des Moines, Iowa, to hear what real people on the ground there are thinking ahead of that state's crucial first in the nation caucus. It's part of a series of what we're calling Pulse of the People. Chris, you just wanted a trip to Iowa, didn't you? Des Moines awesome. Well, I mean, I do like uh, red meat. I do like an uh, orderly city, and I do like pleasant people. And Des Moines okay. delivers a massive payload uh, of all of those things. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was. It, uh, for me, it's the swallows back to Capistrano. I know that we're getting close to the real thing happening. When I'm back in Iowa, you can feel the rhythm. And just one thing that I'd say. People of Iowa, this is maybe an insane way to choose your president to have two small states once every four years uh, make their selections in this fashion. I understand why people are confused by it or don't understand it. But I can promise you this. Iowans take this seriously. They care about it. They think about it. They invest yeah. themselves a lot of effort into it. And I, uh, I admire them for it. Yep. Uh, let's see what you put together. There's a lot of cultural common grounds that really tie us together. My fear is, is the whole fracturing of the, of the, the party. I don't want to go back to the old Republican Party. Iowa disrupts the process, and that's a, that's a role that Iowans are proud of. Okay, who here is undecided about for whom they will caucus? Undecided, undecided, undecided. Don't know. Who here has a strong opinion 
about who they want to caucus for right now. Okay, who here has a meh, opinion? Who is a media, has a has a thought, but might change their mind? Okay, you too have a thought. You got a maybe. Okay, let's talk to the maybes first. Okay, who, what's your lean? Where's your lean? Trump. 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 Well, that's not. Well, but is it a strong Trump? A medium Trump on the scale of one to it's an eight minus. Okay, it's a, so you're 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 at like eight, yeah. eight or nine, eight yeah, and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're eight, eight and a half. Yeah, yeah. What is keeping you from being a ten? Why aren't you a ten? Uh, to see the outcome of the the trials and all this little kind of stuff, you know. Other than that, though, there's nobody out there except for Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I really like him. But then again, I, my mind could be changed to uh, Nikki Haley as well. Okay. I like her. So that's a broad... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- she has spunk. She does, you know, indeed. That and, is the uh, technical term. So, yeah. Um, and I've told her that. So Who else was a maybe? We had a maybe over here. You're a maybe. Who, what, who's on your maybe list? I've got three. Okay. Pence. Okay. Haley. Yep. Scott. Okay. So that's a grouping we see a lot in polling. All right, uh, let's go Ronnie D. We'll start from this end. Governor Meatball, what do you say? Strong. Strong. Yeah. Leader. Who's this one? Leader. Leader. Energetic. Stiff. Stiff. Hmm. <laughs> tough crowd. Shirley's the tough quarter. This is the tough quarter. Uh, Ron DeSantis. I say Ron DeSantis. You say? Uh, moderately interesting. Moderately interesting. Should have waited to run. But not a snake. No. No, just ambitious. Potentially. Potential snake, but more uh, overambitious, right? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Okay, maybe overambitious. Future potential. Future potential. Mm -hmm. Dollar store Trump. Dollar store Trump. (laughs) Rough, rough. This corner's pretty rough, too. Future leader. Future leader. So we've we've got a couple down here for DeSantis 28. Why not Ronnie D.? I think Donald Trump is just the stronger candidate. You can see that with the polls. You can see that with the attendance and events compared to, you know, Trump versus DeSantis. Let's keep going with word cloud here. Uh, let's go to Mike Pence. Let's go this way this time. What's your Mike Pence word? Honorable. Honorable. Mm-hmm. Older. Older. Boring. Boring. Devout Christian. Okay. Experienced. Backstabber. Traitor. Unelectable. Boring. Boring. Boring coming through big in the Mike Pence word cloud. Paige is now going to play for you something that one Michael Pence had to say on subjects like these in a recent town hall. We governed as conservatives, and I'm proud of it. But I stand before you today because uh, the former president and, frankly, others in this field are, are walking away from many of those principles where we where we stood strong on the world stage. Okay, who thinks that Mike Pence makes a persuasive case there about why he's running against Donald Trump? Does anybody you I gonna, that's persuasive? Not saying you're going to vote for Mike Pence, but who heard that and said, okay, this he makes a good point. We got one, we got one and a half, we got one one and th- I'll give you three quarters. We'll go all the way. <laughs> we'll go all the way to three quarters. I would have said that thirty years ago. Okay. Not now. Why not now? Because we need someone to let the the world know that we're not going to be their puppet. Okay. And for me, Donald Trump does that. Even Vivek does it. Uh, Nikki Haley says it. I would write myself in before so I vote for Pence. Why, why is Pence a no? 
I feel like he is, um, we're going to get back to the same old Republican Party okay. that I don't want anymore. All right, uh, now we can do our Trump word cloud, and I'll let you start. Okay, um, un-American. Unelectable. Winner. Unelectable. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, he's just my truck driver guy. Okay, my truck driver. Trouble. Trouble. Relatable. Relatable. Leader. Leader. Loose cannon. Loose cannon. Best negotiator. Best negotiator. Okay. Who here will absolutely not caucus for Donald Trump? We got two. We got a sigh. We have two and a sigh. Uh, Shirley gives us a sigh. Uh, is there some circumstance you can imagine in which you would caucus for You know, for Trump? I keep saying if painted into a corner. You were a, a no. You're a zero, MAGA. Uh, yeah, zero. Okay. Why not? Um, I used to be a Trump supporter. That's actually, he inspired me to get into politics. But um, after the 2022 election, after we lost so many winnable races because of kind of his philosophy of running campaigns, it, it really made me sad. Uh, who here uh, is concerned about Donald Trump as a general election candidate? Concern, 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 concern. Why are you concerned about Donald Trump as a general election candidate? I don't think the Republicans would win with Donald Trump. I'm the point where I will do anything not to have Biden because our country cannot handle four more okay, years. So, you, so these people that say you'll never vote for Trump, when it's on the line, I will hold you responsible is it, is if we there, lose. I understand it. I voted for Trump. I thought he was one of the best presidents probably in my lifetime. He, he took charge. He was excellent. I would not vote for him again. Why not? Um, I think we have other candidates that are better, okay. better than Trump, but they will never get a chance unless Trump stands down. And Trump has split the party, and we cannot win if he runs. Chris, that is absolutely fascinating. Uh, I, I was glued to the whole thing. You know, wh one of the things I think people at home might be able to take away from that, and correct me if I'm wrong, as, as someone who's been there at the caucuses, you could have those conversations uh, a day or a week leading up to the Iowa caucus with people still sort of undecided, right? You can have those conversations at the caucus location because, as you know, if you don't hit a viability threshold for your candidate, uh, those votes uh, get redistributed and then you go stand in a different part of the fire hall or the gymnasium. But, uh, Blake, the thing, my number one takeaway, what, what I really left with was the degree to which Republican resentment and anger at the Biden administration and the Justice Department over what they see as the persecution of Donald Trump leads these Republicans to protect him. It is almost a, that it is an act of defiance. You won't make us not support Donald Trump. And it, that came through in some of what we heard from the Trump supporters there. But that is really what I see at the heart of how Trump has succeeded the, to the degree he has in Iowa, because the choice is me or Joe Biden's Justice Department. So, so that's the main takeaway for you. I'm wondering what else, uh, before, before we get to making Chris Hahn, what else you walked out of there and said, huh, you know, maybe I hadn't considered that before, but that was an interesting point. Well, the, what we haven't heard from yet is whether those, you saw a bunch of, mm, maybe you saw like people who didn't want to, the Trump people will come right out and say they're Trump. They're fired up for it. Those other people are watching and listening and waiting. And they will, Iowa has this great capacity to stun uh, and, and slingshot people from the back of the field up to the front. Uh, Iowa, to me, whatever yeah. the polls say, Iowa's wide open. 
Chris Hahn, when, when you see those uh, Republicans there in a room, or at least many of them who worry that Donald Trump might have trouble in a, in a general, from a Democrat, a general election, from a Democrat's perspective, um, is that sort of what you're leaning on going forward in, in, in 2024? Because I know you said on the show yesterday, you think other folks like uh, Nikki Haley could, could win a general election, but not Donald Trump. Yeah, look, I, look, I think Donald Trump is the worst candidate the Republicans could put forward. He might also be the best candidate they could put forward this year, right? Uh, there's a lot of wild cards with Donald Trump. He brings a lot of people to the polls. That, that that's a, he- that's a hedge, though, right? And vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hey, man, I'm, I, I'm a pundit. Let me, get, let me give you a big, bold statement. The people there were very nice. I particularly liked it when the guy really wanted to slam DeSantis and said he was a future candidate. You know, so I thought that was a very nice way to put it. It's like saying, bless your heart down south. But I, all, I, all I will say this is this. Donald Trump is very much unelectable. We saw the numbers earlier in the show with independents. People don't trust him. And if you listen to the people in that room, there are many Republicans in that room have a lot of reservations about Donald Trump. And if the Democrats put somebody up other than Biden, those reservations might go up even higher. So they should really be very careful. Mick, your takeaway? Yeah. Let's point out that Han just raised the possibility of a Democrat other than Joe Biden being on the ticket. I think that in itself is newsworthy. But I'll take my pundit hat off for a second and put my old candidate hat on. If I'm running against Donald Trump, what my takeaway from that exchange is I don't know how you get any distance. I I didn't see any opening there for anybody else to sort of go after Donald Trump. I saw a chance maybe to take some, if I'm Nikki Haley, to take votes away from Ron DeSantis, maybe take votes away from Michael Pence, but I didn't see any real opening to take uh, votes away from Donald Trump. And as uh, one of the commentators said earlier, you don't play for second place in this business. If you can't win, you lose. Um, So that's my takeaway is that I'm looking at that going, to me, it still feels like a Donald Trump win. Chris, I mean, that was a Ricky Bobby a quote uh, from uh, Talladega Nights. Just, <laughs> just want to be clear. Uh, Steyerwald, if you were to fill in the, if you were to fill in the blank on, uh, on Mike Pence, uh, those those voters in the room thought thought blank about him. I mean, was it hatred strong? It was, but I mean, was it? it was, did they despise no, it was him? The, or, their, or? Their, the, yeah, the, their disdain for him. Uh, you know, uh, Pence yeah, and Christie have the highest negatives. Yeah of any of the candidates, and that's because they're not trusted yet, at least, by a lot of the anti-Trump people because of their service for Trump, uh, and they're reviled as turncoats by the MAGA people. So that leaves them as people without a country. I, here's the thing I want to emphasize, though. When it comes to running for president, very few people, as it turns out, actually succeed. Uh, so the <laughs> yeah. only way yeah. I just I, I always quote Calvin, I always quote Calvin Coolidge, who said his own the only political strategy that he'd ever been aware of was to try to do the right thing and to sometimes succeed. You can't come up with a strategy that you know is going to work. Look at the uh, the dumpster fire of the Ron DeSantis campaign. What you ought to do is say what you believe yeah. uh, and, and act on it and live it out loud. Be the person who you are. And if the dogs don't like the dog food, you're not going to sell it no matter how good the commercials are. I think I'm going to name our band uh, Mick and the Chris's because I was joking every <laughs> single time that you guys are on. The band comes, and here they come down the street, so we're about to hear them. Uh, Chris, it was fascinating. I I can't wait to to see more of that uh, coming up over the course of the year. Uh, But coming up here before we go, some final thoughts about Trump's speech to union members tonight ahead of the second GOP debate with Mick and the Chris's live in the state of Michigan.
Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much acetaminophen can damage your liver. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection. It's the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping us safe in dangerous times. It's critical that we keep AM radio in cars, because when cell and Internet services are down, this free emergency service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. I'm Michael Naranjo, and I'm a veteran. Today, I'm a sculptor. My fingers are my eyes. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. With DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. At Susan G. Komen, we believe that ending breast cancer needs all of us working together. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. And if you are driven to honor the loved one you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. Visit Komen.org and be a part of our Susan G. Komen community today. Thank you for listening to News Nation, America's source for engaging and unbiased news. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe, safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Each week, VA sends an email to over 13 million veterans. It's jam-packed with veteran discounts on hundreds of services, job listings, and information on home loans, plus access to many local events for veterans and their families. Subscribe for free at va.gov slash vetresources to learn more. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting 
a teenager learning the lingo. GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. In California, as Republicans uh, will hold their second California, a second GOP primary debate from the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. Joining us now is Carrie Lake, former gubernatorial candidate from the state of Arizona and a supporter of Donald Trump, who won't be at the debate, as we know, but she is there uh, essentially speaking on his behalf as a supporter. Carrie, thank you for being here on the Hill once again. Um, so Donald Trump, as we know, won't be on the stage tonight. One of the candidates who's been surging, of course, recently, relatively speaking, of course, uh, is Nikki Haley. Why not Nikki Haley, from your perspective? Well, we've got a great candidate in President Trump who's up 60 at 60 points in the polls. We know he can do the job. He's done it before. All of our lives were better four years ago under President Trump. And we already have a, our guy. He's already done the job, and the American people are supporting him. Any poll you look at, he's winning. I think Nikki Haley is somewhere down around three or four points, depending on the poll. And frankly, she's kind of handed things over to the globalist agenda. And we don't want to have somebody in the White House who's going to push endless wars, endless wars, and send our children off to fight wars in foreign countries, wars that we shouldn't have gotten into in the first place. We don't want candidates who are controlled by the, the, the war machine. And I think there's uh, really no way around it other than to say that's exactly what Nikki Haley would bring us. Carrie, I know you hustled on over and I appreciate it, but we got to run here. And I, and I I got to ask you one question before you go, which is your own political aspirations. You're going to announce a Senate run here coming soon? I'm getting very close to that. I think in the coming days, um, you'll hear more about that. We have an opportunity to pick up a Senate seat in Arizona. We have two liberals running. One is acting like she's an independent, even though she's voted with Joe, P Joe Biden 95% of the time. She's voted for open borders, outrageous spending out of D.C. She's voted for uh, just the most ridiculous, outrageous um, anti-Arizona policies and, frankly, anti-American policies. So I am leaning toward it. I'll be making a decision here in the coming days. Days, um, to be continued is how I'll leave it, Blake. Leaning toward it and to be continued. When we have more time, we'll have you on back soon. Carrie Lake uh, running up against the heart out here, but I appreciate love the it. time. Thank you. Yep, Thanks. got it. Uh, before we go, some quick final thoughts from Mick, Chris, and Chris as we wrap up our live coverage here in Michigan. Guys? Uh, two things. That was a really good uh, interview for a vice presidential slot. I think ah. that's what you saw at Carrie Lake. Uh, I also know that that interview made Kirsten Cinema very, very happy because if Carrie Lake runs for the uh, runs for Senate in Arizona, I think yeah. uh, Kirsten skates to reelection. I assume I assume Carrie Lake is waiting for the results to be in from the 2022 election before <laughs> she before yeah. she's ready to make an announcement for 2024. Uh, she'd be real bad news probably for Republicans and real good news for Kirsten Cinema. Chris Hahn. I agree with both of my colleagues. It would be the best thing to happen for the Democrats in the Senate in Arizona. Please, Carrie Lake, run. It would be beautiful. <laughs> you guys going to let and me maybe back in the of studio no tomorrow? We can, we can have, have the, the no agreement. filters party. <laughs> oh, that's Am mean. Oh, you're mean. You're mean. I thought I was mean, Han. You're meaner. That's even meaner. Hey, I need a... 
I need those filters, so I shouldn't be complaining. Let me just say. <laughs> Guys, it'll be, be nice uh, it'll guy be an interesting table. night yeah. here. It, it, it'll be an interesting night here uh, in the state of Michigan, of course. Donald Trump on the stage before non-union voters uh, at this building behind me, uh, Drake Technologies. Basically, they, they manufacture auto parts. As we know, Donald Trump, uh, or President Biden, rather, was in the state of Michigan yesterday as the UAW strike continues now on day 12. Donald Trump here this evening. Uh, but until then, we've got to wrap it up here on the Hill on News Nation. Chris, Mick, Chris, thank you so much for your time. We will catch you tomorrow. Elizabeth Vargas reports starts next. <laughs>